Welcome to Life Beyond the Summit, a faith journey podcast for men. Hi, and welcome back to the Life Beyond the Summit, a faith journey podcast for men, uh, episode number eight. And uh, we're going to continue, I think, for this last episode on the concept of perseverance. You might recall in um, episode number six, I referenced a, a blog that I had discovered on Line while I was looking for some information, researching a little bit about the good and honest heart that's referred to in Luke 8.15, Jesus's words, which we'll reflect on a few minutes from now. Um, and so we're going to summarize the rest of what I had shared one or two items from before. I wanted to finish that because I think it was a great summary. I don't know who Andy Sukar is, but it's S-O-C-H-O-R. I want to give him credit for this. It was written October 17th of 2011. 10 years ago, it's called The Honest and Good Heart. So we're going to come back to that. But first, I want to I want to just reflect on a couple of things regarding perseverance. I want to begin by reviewing once again the the, uh, the definition of perseverance. And this is straight out of the dictionary. It says, it is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. And then it uses a sentence that says, this his perseverance with the technique illustrates his single-mindedness. I think there's a lot to be said. I want to be brief. I got two two reflective thoughts on perseverance. Um, the reason we haven't really said a whole lot about the word specifically during these past, uh, this is the fourth segment on perseverance, is because in order to even get the perseverance, uh, Luke 8, um, Luke 8, 15 reads as follows. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart. So that's that's going to come first, who hear the word, retain it, and then by persevering, they produce a crop. So we have really worked hard in the first, the very first episode, um, I really shared my vision for this podcast, Life Beyond the Summit. You might recall, just as in review, if the summit experience for you and I as Christ followers is accepting Christ as our savior, then what is life like beyond that summit experience? In other words, where and what begins to happen with our hearts and in our lives in order to show that we are Christ followers in order to experience transformation. So, so the first session we spoke about what life beyond the summit and my vision for this platform would be the second, third, and fourth sessions we spent on the cares of this world. So one of my observations is that as men, I think we really struggle. Um, I shared in the first podcast about how I see the United States, um, the Western in our in the Western culture, uh, faith and and the Christian experience have really been um, irrelevant to the the rest of society. There were there there have been moves of the spirit over over a period of 100 years where God has really moved in the hearts of man and women and the body of Christ. And there's been great things that have happened in this country, specifically in the United States. But in the last decade, we've lost our place. We've lost our space. We've lost our voice as a church. I believe the reason that's happened is because hopelessness has entered the hearts of men. Hopelessness, hopelessness has entered the church and by and large, what I feel has happened is that we've lost our way. And that's not to say that we've given up on salvation, but it is to suggest that many, many, many followers of Christ have found their way into 
perhaps we can call it a lukewarm place, certainly a place where the word and prayer and and uh, a, a faith-filled life uh, bear a lower relevance than they have perhaps in the past. And Andrew and I, in one of the sessions, we talked about what we called the in-between years or the gap years, where because of the cares of this world, frankly, and because of the disappointments associated with maybe not seeing the fulfillment of Scripture come to pass in our own lives, feeling the change, feeling and experiencing the revelation, the conviction of, of the Word, because we didn't have those things happening, our hearts grew cold. And Scripture speaks to this. It's spoken to uh, generously in the New Testament. And so um, we then in these last three segments, uh, this being the fourth, the, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh, we talked about perseverance. But to get to perseverance, we had to talk about what it looks like to have a good heart. And, and um, I know in the last couple of sessions, I've talked about, you know, what it takes to prepare soil if you're a farmer or a gardener. A lot of preparation is done in the soil before the seed is even planted. If you looked at our garden right now, it, it's, it's overgrown. It's not even a garden. It's just a, a whole area of weeds. Well, if we simply went out there and threw seed into that, into that area, do you think it would produce a crop? It might produce something, but it would be winnowing and it would be minimal in its results. The, the harvest would be minimal, if any at all, because that garden right now is, has weeds in it that are 18, 20, 24, 26 inches tall, the area that we used to plant for tomatoes and other homegrown vegetables. So obviously, if this, the scripture is so accurate and the parable is so beautiful that Jesus spoke to, in Mark and Luke, and I want to—I'll just re- refresh our memory on this. This is in the the uh, chapter eight of Luke, where Jesus is speaking to—he's explaining the parable of the four soils. I don't want to go into the four soils. I really want to talk about the thorns, which is which is fourteen and then fifteen. So we've been, really been focused on this. This is Luke eight fourteen. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But they go on their way, they, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. So we've spent the first uh, three segments after the introduction, so that would be two, three, and four, we spent on the concept of the cares of this world. Then in five, six, and seven, and now eight, we've talked about perseverance. But you, heard, you haven't heard us say a whole lot about perseverance as a word, because in order to get to perseverance, we have to find first a good and noble heart. After we've got the good and noble heart, which we've talked about, we then are able to hear the word, retain it, and then by persevering, we produce a crop. So this word perseverance, once again, since I've given us that little intro, I'll go back to it. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. So let me let's just talk about that for just a minute, the definition. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Okay, and the illustration they give says his perseverance with the technique illustrates his single-mindedness. I would submit to all of us, myself and all of us that are listening, that we have to be single-minded in our attention to God's word. We have to believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him, that his word is true, it's factual, it's revolutionary, uh, it is, it is uh, uh, basically, a, a, the word is a, is a strong command kind of 
proposition. It's not a if or a maybe or a this or that. It's a strong statement of fact. And so um, if we're going to be persistent in doing something, despite the difficulty or delay in achieving it, we have to believe that that persistence and the pursuit of what it is we're after, our single-mindedness, is worth our while. Because here's what happened. Two things happen. If we are unable to persist because we don't believe that the word is going to produce fruit, then we're going to end up as those who are shipwrecked. And we'll read more about that in the summary from this reading uh, that I spoke of earlier. On the other hand, if we persevere, we we demonstrate by perseverance our single-mindedness. And guess what happens? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's a direct quote from scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we consume God's word, as we meditate on God's word day and night, as it suggests that we do in scripture, the scripture takes on a form different than what I would call mental assent and maybe mental understanding. It 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 rises to the level of conviction. Uh, it, it rises to the level of a surety that we are certain faith faith is the evidence of things hoped for it is the conviction or the certainty of things that are not seen when that certainty is secure in our hearts we no longer are blown to and fro as the wind in in a field of wheat or whatever we're, we're we are stable in our thinking we are convinced we are com- convicted we are steadfast, we are single-minded, we are then uh, really in a position of full-on belief. And then the distractions of this world that it speaks to in Luke 14 have no power over us. Then the, the life's worries, riches, and pleasures do not affect us like they would if we had not persevered and allowed the word to come to a place of conviction in our heart. So perseverance is a form of, from my perspective, is a form of uh, continual reflection, continual standing, continual believing, continual reading, continual reciting, continual belief. It's, 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 It's taking it from a mental ascent to a heartfelt conviction. And, and that's by virtue of persevering. Perseverance brings life to the believer through the soil that was planted that was well planted, just like a gardener. When that soil is well tilled, well managed, well, uh, well uh, I guess I'll call it massaged, cultivated, whatever you want to say, then the seed is planted. And at that point, when you've got this good soil with good seed, we produce 30, 60, 100 fold. And then the cares of this world are unable to choke out the word. Perseverance produces single-minded persistence. Okay, so that's number one. And number two, the other form of perseverance that we have to wrestle with is the form of perseverance that comes with persecution. And this is an important one too, because guess what? If we're not convinced, if we're not absolutely convinced that God's word is true, and then what it says about who we are in Christ, then when the persecution comes, we will wane. The Bible talks about a, about a, a broad path, a broad gate and a narrow path, or maybe I'm saying that backwards, but you get the gist of it. In other words, many will say, Lord, Lord, but he'll say, I never 
there's going to come a time when he'll say, I never knew you. But we did so many great things in your name, but I never knew you. So it's not about doing. It's not about, I mean, doing is a part of it, but it's not about doing as much as it is about having this deep, deep sense of conviction in our heart. When we have that that conviction, we end up finding ourselves single-minded. And when we're single-minded, we're able to resist the devil and he will flee from us. So when persecution comes our way, we're prepared. We stand resolute. We stand before the Lord. We can stand with our head high, our shoulders back, and ready to put on the the uh, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. The, the, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But that only comes through perseverance and perseverance turning to conviction and turning to a deep, deep sense of faith. So I wanted to just kind of get through those couple of things, maybe spent more time on that than I needed to, but I want you to, I want all of us to really understand the reason you haven't heard more of the word perseverance is because we have to first have a good heart. And after we have that good heart, Luke 8, 15 says, we can then hear the word, we'll return, retain it. It will be retained in our hearts. And then by persevering in that retained word, we produce a crop. So that said, I want to, I want to just share with you, um, uh, the, the, uh, some of the writing from this, this, uh, individual Andy Sukor, um, again, October 17th, 2011, the, the, um, the title of it is the honest and good heart. And I want to share with you, he had, um, he has two pieces in here that I thought were interesting. I know nothing of his background. I know nothing of his theology or his, uh, his convictions, but I do, I did like this reading. I thought it was very practical. He says in on one of the one of the uh, uh, summaries, he says what the honest and good heart will do. So what comes from a honest and good heart? So number one, there are five things here. I'll I'll go through them one at a time. A person with a good and honest heart, having tilled and prepared that heart to to uh, engage God in His Word, will hear the Word. Number one, these are the ones who who have heard the Word. An honest and good heart is interested in the truth. This is why Jesus called out at the conclusion of his parable, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, Luke 8, 8 states. The honest and good heart will be looking for answers to the great questions that man ponders regarding our origin, our purpose, and our future. These questions, when pursued honestly, will eventually lead one to God. A beautiful uh, summary of hearing the word. Number one. Number two, be honest. Um, be honest. Uh, an honest and good heart will never blindly accept what he's being taught, but will do as the Bereans did when they, quote unquote, received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So that's a really neat, that's out of Acts 17, 11. I love that. I love that, love that quotation, received the word with great eagerness. That's an interesting, honest reflection to examine our hearts with as well. Are we eager? Are we hungry? Are we thirsty? Are we desirous to pursue God through his word? And I want to submit to you that we can get there. We have to give our ear, our heart, our eyes to his word and allow the Holy Spirit to minister truth to us through his word. So be honest. Be honest. Search the the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so that we may have been taught by others. The honest and good heart will also examine himself upon hearing the truth to make sure he measures up. So the other component here is that we'll we'll look at the we'll, we'll search the word, and we'll see how we measure up against it. 
And then, of course, we'll have a hopefully a desire to change to allow ourselves to comply with what God's word says. And um, so, yeah, that's a that's a, a excellent uh, point. So number three, number one is hear the word. Number two is be honest. Number three, do what is right. A good heart, an honest and good heart will serve God completely. Those who obey the gospel on the day of Pentecost did not uh, not only did what Peter told them to do immediately, but they also continued in the in the apostles' teaching, Acts two thirty seven through forty two. The honest and good heart will not serve God partially, as the rich, as the rich young ruler did, following him as long as it was convenient. Instead, the the good and honest heart will seek to do what is right in all things. In all things, we will do what's right. We will put off the old, put on the new. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live on, I live by faith in the Son of God. If Christ is to live in us, the appearance of Steve Crowdus or whoever, place your name in the blank, is no longer seen. There, there, There is but, I am real, I am three-dimensional, I'm human, but I live this life supernaturally. And so when people see me, when they look into my eyes, what they should see, what I desire for them to see is Jesus Christ. And uh, so, you know, there's a song that says, I don't want to leave a legacy, only Jesus. You're probably familiar with it. It's a Christian contemporary song. And that, of course, he's saying that tongue-in-cheek because he does want to be remembered. The legacy that I want to leave, the legacy that all of us should desire to leave, is one that says not only not only do we want to hear from the Lord, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter uh, into my gates uh, with with praise and thanksgiving. That will be the grand and glorious thing to hear when we when we close our eyes, take our last breath, and stand before the Lord. That's what I wish to hear, and I pray that would be the same thing that you would desire to hear. But outside of that, it should be our prayer that everyone that knows us or ever comes in contact in contact with us says, now there was a man that made a difference for Christ. There was a man who lived a life righteous in God's sight, righteous before man, uh, that there be no question who you and I are, but that we be Christ followers and that we be men and women and the body of Christ that glorifies God through our, our actions. So do what is right. Number four, hold fast the word. I mean, again, uh, you're going to hear a continuous drumbeat on the word, the need to be in the word. Hold fast the word. Hold it fast. Paul told Timothy to hold fast the pattern in faith to Timothy 1, uh, 2 Timothy 1, chapter 1, thir- uh, verse 13. This faith is the recognition that God's way is always better than man's way. Always better. So whatever the word says, it's always better than what we may conjure up, what we may reflect on or, or try to implement. The honest and good heart will hold fast the word without compromise lest the truth be lost. And we do not want the truth to be lost. Galatians 2, 4, and 5. Number five, bear fruit. Bear fruit with perseverance. Here again, that word perseverance. Bearing fruit is done by doing good works and by following the teachings of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Jesus said that we will bear fruit one way or another. Either good fruit or bad fruit, Matthew seven seventeen. Therefore, we must have the honest and good heart so that we might bear good fruit. So in review one more time, the first one, hear the word. 
Number two, be honest in our reflection of the word, whether or not what we're hearing aligns up with what scripture is stating and then that we line up with what scripture is saying as well, that we measure up. Number three, do what is right. Number four, hold fast to the word. And number five, bear fruit. So he has another section here in the second session section. He says, now, how do we develop an honest and good heart? How do we implement uh, the, the things we have first focused on? So this first round, these are the things a good heart will do that we just talked about. Hear the word, be honest, do what is right, hold fast the word, bear fruit. But how do we develop an honest and good heart? And here's what this gentleman's reflection uh, reflections come up with in his in his blog. Number one, exercise humility. Well, in humility, we receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. That's what it says in James 1.21. Without humility, we cannot properly hear the word of God. We must recognize our significant place in God's creation. Why? So we know that only he can save us and that we cannot save ourselves apart from him. Romans 5, 6. We must also be humble enough to recognize that we can be wrong, but God is always right. And I, I make this statement. I think that the, the, the Bible from front to back is full of proclamation. Yes, it's a historical um, uh, a historical uh, document that tells us about the history of creation and man and our failings and our shortcomings, but it's also a word of truth that speaks to the issues of life. Uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, how can a man keep his way pure? And it says, by walking according to God's word. There's only one way to, to, to secure right in our lives. Uh, there is a way that seems right, but in the end, it, it leads to destruction. Um, so it's important for us to exercise humility and recognize that while we have been given free will, that free will is not really free. It, co- it cost us Jesus Christ on the cross. He died for our sins, recognizing that man in and of himself would never choose, apart from the Holy Spirit and the unction of the Lord, to walk in light of the truth. And so exercise humility. Be broken, be transparent, be, um, oh, what are some more adjectives or verbs that we can use? Um, uh, be be um, willing to be vulnerable. Uh, willing to not hide, willing to not mask, willing to to not put up fronts, willing to not carry on as though you're something you're not. Be honest with yourself and be honest with others. That's what exercising humility means. Number two, love the truth. There again, you know, this is how we actually physically develop a good heart. We love the truth. Those who love the truth are the ones who will be saved in Second Thessalonians 2.10, it says. To develop and honestly, uh, to develop the, honestly necess- the honesty necessary to rightly ex- examine the word in our own lives, we must have the attitude of a wise man. Keep deception and lies far from you. Proverbs 30, uh, verse 8. We should love the truth because the truth gives us a firm foundation and an unchanging standard. That's Second Peter one twelve and Second John six or two John six. Um, uh, love the truth. Love His Word. Love the truth. You know, I don't know about you, but when I, when I was a youngster, I felt compelled because of my need to be approved by man. 
I felt compelled to stretch stories to make myself stories about myself that would make me look larger than life. And, um, that was a form of a lie, of course, um, to, to, uh, to conjure up or to manifest stories that weren't true was all in an effort to feel better about myself and look better before man. But a love for the truth demands that we're honest. It demands that we're, we're again, it's it sort of a love for the truth also um, generates humility. So a love for the truth, um, it's the truth that sets us free. The, the word says you'll know the truth and it will set you free. And so we want to love the truth. Number three, seek to practice what is right. Not only must we do what is right, but we must ha- uh, first have the desire to do what is right. We must do what is right, but we, we must also have the desire to do so. Um, that's not always easy in, in our flesh to want to do what's right. Sometimes we're tempted to do things that are maybe, uh, whether it be cheating on taxes or it be, you know, whatever it might be, there's all sorts of things that we can engage that we can justify as, oh, it was just a white lie or whatever else. But we should we should have a desire to do what is right. Um, God does not and will not force us to do anything. Throughout time, he has appealed to man, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Choosing to do good will help us develop our hearts to do what they ought to do and what we ought to become. Number four, recognize the value of the word. Right back again, we're talking about the word. How can we be persuaded to hold fast the word if we do not first recognize the value of it? In describing the words of God, the psalmist wrote this, they are more desirable than gold. This is the psalmist description of the word of God. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than fine, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned in keeping them there is great reward. I think it's so cool that Psalm nineteen ten through eleven, that God's word comes with absolute unequivocal promise that if we attend to the word, it will produce fruit. Even as we are, have read in the past in Mark four twenty, thirty, sixty, sometimes a hundredfold, will His word return to us if it's if it's in a good heart, a good and noble heart, um, an honest heart. Um, moreover, by, by them, your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. The scriptures are the inspired word of God and are profitable to us. The gospel is the power of God into salvation and contains the words of eternal life. We have to view the word for what it is. It, it, he who the sun sets free is free. Indeed, this, the scripture, the Bible represents the delivery of man from his sin to a place of righteous standing before the Lord. And the opportunity to enjoy eternal life. Uh, Number five, recognize our accountability before God. We will each be judged by our actions, 2 Corinthians 5.10. If we do not bear fruit, we will be cut off, John 15.2. But we are not just to to bear fruit for a short period of time. We must do so with perseverance. Luke 8.15, we've just read. As Jesus said, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's Revelation 2.10. And this gentleman summarizes by making this statement. I love it. He says, do not wither away as a seed on rocky soil, Luke 8.6. 
Do not let the word be choked out of your life by worldly things like the seed among the thorns, Luke 8, 7. Instead, receive the word, believe it, follow it, grow in it, and continue to produce a fruit that you might be rewarded as one of the faithful in the end. Wow. If that isn't powerful. I, I wanted to share those thoughts with you because I think they, they are really just a good summary. Um, let's, let's one time reflect. Hear the word. Be honest. Number two, be, do what is right. Number three, hold fast the word. Number four, and bear fruit. And then exercise humility. Love the truth. Seek to practice what is right. Recognize the value of the word. Recognize our accountability before God. I think these are a, a 10 different line item uh, uh, reflections that we can all engage and really see change, see transformation. You know, we haven't talked much uh, about lordship, and that's this is something that will be coming. We've talked primarily about what it is to be saved and what it is to begin to produce fruit in these, these first eight segments uh, or episodes. But lordship will demand all of the 10 items we just spoke to. Lordship is where we step out of the way and we allow the Lord to rule and reign in righteousness in our hearts. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. I think there's no time like now that we're being called to step up in our faith. Uh, the the church is is moving to a place in which it is going to experience persecution from my perspective. And this is something we're hearing from a lot of uh, pulpits around the country. Are we in end times? Are we entering end times? These are things that the Bible says only he knows the day or the hour. But there are many things that lead up to signs which would tell us whether we're entering end times. And while I'm not a... Uh, a uh, uh, a student of prophecy, nor of the book of Daniel or Revelation specifically, um, I, I can tell you, and I think all of us that are listening would agree, we're in a different era in our faith. I think like never before, we're beginning to experience persecution in the church. And at this stage, in this level, it's very early. But I think with the dynamics that are going on in this country, in the United States, I think we're going to experience more and more division, more and more strife, more and more unrest more and more uh, unruly behavior. Um, I think it's the, the tide is turning to a dark season. And I think for us as men particularly, we've got to examine our hearts. I do believe the Bible speaks to the separation of the chaff from the wheat. And I think we're in a position where we need to decide which side of truth we're on. I don't think any longer we're going to be able to live just simply under the club card membership of salvation. I think we're going to have to examine, examine our hearts. I'm not saying we're not saved, but I believe a greater measure is going to be called from each of us as faithful. And we have to decide, choose ourselves this day whom we will serve. Will it be God or will it be man? And if it's God, then we're going to have to subscribe to God's word, allow it to take root in our hearts, deeply rooted in our hearts, so that in the day of trial, we stand and we stand strong and we stand firm. Then we can put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Our feet will be shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. We'll take the sword of the spirit and we will do the work 
of God, the work of Jesus on behalf of righteousness, on behalf of the lost, on behalf of the sinners and the saints. So, um, well, I guess for now, I, I just want to also tell you um, that if you'd like to learn more, we'd invite you to go to our website, uh, lifebeyondthesummit.com, lifebeyondthesummit.com, and you can reach me. We would love to have you comment. You can reach me at, uh, or reach out to us. You can reach me at lifebeyondthesummit at gmail.com. That's my email address. And you can leave comments. You, we, we, I, I have podcasts on my website and also blogs. Um, I'm not as current as I'd like to be on the blog. I got to get back to writing. Um, but I have to tell you that the, this is the benefit of knowing God in a deep way. I'm doing all of this. The, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And what's happening with me as a personal testimony is I am being revolutionarily changed in my heart. The, the more I read, the more I, I understand, the more I'm enlightened, the freer I feel, the closer I feel to God, the more intimate I want to be with him. I cannot get enough of this. Um, uh, so I want to encourage all of you, if you, if my enthusiasm for knowing God and wanting to know him more deeply is something that intrigues you, I want to tell you the secret to it has been to spend time in his presence. Now, I've never had an audible. I've shared this in previous podcast episodes. I've never had an audible. I've never seen him in a burning bush. He's never come into my home in a three-dimensional form. But I sense deep in my soul, deep in my heart, deep in my spirit that he's real and that he's alive and he's well and he is dwelling amongst us and he's dwelling in our hearts and our souls and our spirits and he has sent he says, greater things will you do than I did because I send the Holy Spirit. He sent the helper, the paraclete, the counselor, the teacher in the form of the Holy Spirit. We all have access to that if we are believers. Um, so uh, I just want to encourage all of you to stay strong in the faith, to press into the word, to press into your relationship with him, to to find time. I, I hear from many, many men how difficult it is to find time. I totally understand that and I relate to it. But we have to make time for the things that are important to us. And I assure you, those of us that struggle with schedules, we make time for certain things. We make time for golf. I, many believers, I'm not. this is not to judge golf, but we make time for golf. We make time for fishing. We make time for boating and recreation. And those, those same people, including myself, what well, time at times say, I don't have time. And yet look at those things are happening. We have, we have time to sit down in front of the news or sit down and watch a movie or go to the show or go to dinner. These things are important, but more important than all of those things are making time for God. So I want to encourage you that if you want to grow in your faith and you want to get excited and zealous for serving God, knowing him more deeply, you're going to have to do the heavy lift. But it's not like it doesn't come with a promise because Mark um, 4.20 says, uh, well, let me go, let me back up to 18. Still others like seed sown among thorns, as we read in Luke. These are, these are Jesus' words, both accounted for by the writer Mark and then also by Luke. Hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke out the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. I will tell you 
I will bear witness to the fact that I feel that's happening in my life, that I'm be beginning to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And you can do that too. Well, listen, until next time, God bless you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We welcome you back. We're continuing to pray for all of those who are out there. We don't know who all, all of you are, of course, but we're praying for God's richest blessing to enter your life, for you to be transformed into the image of Christ, for you to walk from victory to, from victory, to victory, glory to glory. Just We just thank you for, for uh, everything you do, Lord, and we ask you to bless us in Jesus' name. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Life Beyond the Summit podcast. For more information, visit our website at lifebeyondthesummit.com.